Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you today, and it's obviously that you're going to figure out real quickly that I'm nursing a cold, and it had to happen on this day, the very first day that I would get to stand up before you and preach as your uh, pastor of discipleship, right, for sure. It's called unexpected, right? (laughs) And you know, life is that way, and when we think about unexpected, it's always related to two kind of categories, people and circumstances, people and situations. In other words, somebody comes into your life and you're like, are you kidding me, God? Why in the world did you bring them in my life? I would have been better off. Life would have been much sweeter if you would have just kind of exited them on another place. But you brought them into my life. That's kind of unexpected. And sometimes it's situations, it's circumstances that just out of the blue, you never anticipated It would go that way, and that would happen. And when I think about unexpected situations and things just going south when you didn't expect they would, I'm reminded of a story about a little uh, lady I know who had a parrot named Chippy. And Chippy, she loved Chippy, and Chippy was her parrot that she'd had for a long time. And he was a beautiful little parrot, would swing in his cage, and he would sing just with the greatest of songs. Sounded a lot like you guys this morning, how just powerful and just energetic he was. But one day, she decided, you know, I need to clean Chippy's cage out. And I've never tried this before, but I'm going to see if this will work. So she got her vacuum cleaner out. And she pulled the end off of the hose, and she stuck the hose into the cage. And about that time, unexpectedly, the phone rang. And before she could say hello, she heard, and yep, Chippy got sucked in. Well, she loves her parrot, and she wants to make sure that he's okay. So she opens up the bag, pulls little Chippy out, and there he is, just stunned. Now, all dirty and dust all over him, so because she cares about him and she wants to take care of him, she goes and she turns on some water in the bathroom and she starts washing Chippy off. And now Chippy is just like shivering, shaking to pieces. Well, all she could think of now, I guess I need to dry him off, so she breaks out the hair dryer. And she blows him with hot air and he just kind of was in a daze and he was stunned. She put him back into the cage and... The, the reporter who initially told the story went back to do a follow-up and said, so how's Chippy doing these days? She said, well, he doesn't sing much at all. In fact, he kind of just stares. <laughs> and she said, well, I guess if you've been sucked in, washed up, and blown over, it'd take the song out of your heart too. And sometimes that's exactly what happens, doesn't it, when these unexpected people come into our life. Unexpected circumstances show up, and it's almost like we see that as stealing and taking away our joy and our walk with the Lord. But the reality is it's not those unexpected circumstances, and it's not those unexpected people that takes that song out of our heart. In the end, it's how we've handled it. It's how we've responded. It's whether or not that we have been able to see in the midst of that A God who is big and glorious and is good and is really not doing 99.9% good in my life, but he's actually doing a 100% good job. And until we believe that and we hold to that and we embrace that, we run the risk of really missing what God is doing in these unexpected times and people and circumstances that come into our life. Somebody 
told me once, said, Kevin, you know, life is a lot like a feather bed. And this is not Forrest Gump, right? <laughs> but it's similar. Life is a lot like a feather bed. It all depends on which side you are. If you're on top of it, then it's comfortable. But if you're underneath it, it will smother you. And so what we want to learn as we come to the Word of God this morning is how God uses those unexpected circumstances, whatever they are, and you know what they are, God knows what they are, those unexpected people that have come into your life and your world, we want to see how God is using that to get us to listen to Him, to hear from Him. Because we run the risk, if we are not careful of misunderstanding what we think God said. It's very clear he doesn't stutter. His words actually literally black and white to us, unless you've got one with red letters in it too. But he's clear in what he says and how he speaks. And yet we will learn as we come to Numbers 22 this morning that there is the potential that we might not really hear it or we twist it and we misunderstand it. And we don't really grasp that God is using an unexpected means to grab our attention. You think they're a mess up in your life. You think they're a waste in your life. You think God needs to get rid of them in that situation and take it away. But God is saying, no, I'm going to use that to show you how I speak to you and how I get your attention. Because again, what we're going to learn as we study this passage is that there's a guy named Balaam in here who is going to really miss and get off track from what God said. He'll think, well, maybe God said I could do this and I could do that. But in the end, God didn't. And speaking about like misunderstanding, like not really being clear when God speaks and, and just staying focused on the clear thing he said, I was just uh, told a story by some friends of ours, Bob and Nancy, good friends of ours who just went to Canada. And on their way to Canada, as they reached the border, they encountered the border agent like you do when you're crossing into a country. And the border agent began to ask them all kind of questions. He said, uh, why are you guys coming to Canada? And they said, well, Nancy's mother or sister lives here, and uh, we're just coming to visit her. Oh, that's good. Did you bring any fruit? Did you bring any vegetables? Did you bring any kind of seeds, anything like that? Nope, we didn't, we didn't bring anything like that. Did you bring any guns? Did you bring any guns? And he goes, no. He said, the guy said, you're from Georgia. <laughs> Everybody has guns in Georgia, right? Even preachers, right? <laughs> they said, no, we didn't bring them. We left them at home. And then Bob and Nancy could have sworn they heard the border agent say this. Do you have a can of biscuits? And they looked at each other. A can of biscuits? can of biscuits? And they said, sir, we don't have a can of biscuits. We have some crackers in the back, but we don't have any biscuits. And the border agent leaned over and he said, I said, cannabis. <laughs> they said, nope, we ain't got no dope either. <laughs> and that's just a human level, right? On a human level, you can misunderstand what God is saying and, or what someone is saying. And it's easy to forget and misinterpret sometimes what God is saying. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Numbers where we're going to learn a lesson this morning about how to listen to God in those unexpected times and what God is doing uh, when we sometimes fail to listen to Him. 
Now, before we read in Numbers 22, down in verse uh, 21, I want to kind of give you a little bit of a backstory so you kind of are ready for those verses. There's three characters that you need to pay attention to in this chapter. One is Balak. Balak is a king. He's a pagan king. He doesn't love God. He doesn't care about God's purposes. doesn't care about God's plan. But he's the king of this area that the children of Israel are going to go by. In fact, the children of Israel have been going from their time out of Egypt through the wilderness to this place called the Promised Land. And the place that God has just promised them. And, and, and Balak hears about these journeys that they are on. And on these journeys, there's all of these wars and battles that are going on between people who try to oppose God's people. And Balak has heard this, and he is scared about this, and he's fearful of these people coming. Now listen, the children of Israel are not looking to pick a fight with anybody. It's not like they're going, hey, like, you know, you want to fight? Come on. I mean, they, they even send requests in this journey and say, let us just pass through. We're just trying to get to where God told us to go, called the promised land. But these adversaries, these Moabites and Ammonites, they are just against them so much, they're like, no, we're going to fight. And every time Israel has got in a fight, to put it in our street language, this king hears that Israel is kicking butts and taking names. I mean, God's just for them. And so Balak decides, what I need to do is get somebody who can stop this and shut this down. So that introduces us to our second character, and that is Balaam. He's the son of Peor. That's much, we don't know much more about him. But that's what he's called in chapters 22 through 24. He's also described as a man who talks to God, and he speaks for God. And so Balak, the king, said, hey, listen, we think that we will get somebody over here who can shut Israel down and stop what's going on and all the victories they are having. So Balaam, Balak rather, the king, sends his men to come to Balaam and offer him some deals. Now listen very carefully. This guy, Balaam, must have had a reputation because they traveled, if you just do your geography in the text, 400 miles to get him. I mean, that's like going to Disney and back, okay? This is like a long distance. And this is not in a car, this is not in a plane. This is them traveling over the hills and over the desert, and they're going to get him 400 miles because they've heard that this guy has the ability to bless or curse people. If he says you're blessed, then God's going to bless you. And if he says you're cursed, then you're going to be cursed. Now, we should just really take a little side note here and just not let that bother us as Christians to think, oh my goodness, there might be somebody out there with some voodoo and witchcraft and all that kind of stuff that can really make life hard for us. Don't take that away from the text, because that's not what it's about. In fact, you should be reminded from Scripture that though the powers of darkness are real, the devil is real, he's got you in his crosshairs for sure, he's seeking to kill and steal and destroy. There's another promise that we need to hold to, and that is greater, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So, this is not a passage to scare us, this is a passage to remind us of some important things about that even though someone might try to mess up the plan God has, God's still going to carry out his plan. You can't stop him. That's what I love about it. He is unstoppable. (laughs) And so here we have Balak, this king, who wants him to come. And Balaam, 
when he first hears from Balak, says this, nope, I, I cannot come. The Lord said, do not go with them. Five simple words, clear as a bell. Well, when they go back and tell Balak, Balak sends them back again, another 400 miles. Like it's, it's like an 800-mile trip back and forth. And he says, you tell that guy we really want him to come. In fact, we've got a whole wagon load of money and a blank check. You get whatever you want. The king said you could have anything. So that's kind of what's going on between Balak, the king, and Balaam, this guy who speaks to God and then is supposed to speak for God. He's supposed to listen to him and then say what God has said. Then there's a third character, and that is the donkey. I told somebody this morning, I won't use the King James word for it, but you know what it is, right? And the point of this is that something miraculous happens when Balaam doesn't pay attention to the clear word that God has spoken, and he gets off path. God uses all kind of means to get his attention and get him back. And what you need to hear is this. Listen, when we think about unexpected means that God uses, it can be just that, unexpected. Who would have thought that a pagan king could be God's instrument in God's hands to really set the stage for Balaam to learn some lessons? Who could have ever thought that a donkey would have been used by God to accomplish his purposes? And what you and I need to remember is when those unexpected means come into our life is how to see God's hand in it and not oppose him and not resist him and try to go our own way. So let's take our Bibles with that all in mind. Let's come to Numbers 22, verse 21. Let's stand if you don't mind. Let's read together the word of our God. Numbers 22, verse 21. So Balaam arose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the leaders of Moab. But God was angry because he was going. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Now he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in a way with his drawn sword in his hand, the donkey turned off from the way and went into the field. But Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back into the way. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path of the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed herself to the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. The angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn to the right hand or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam was angry and struck the donkey with his stick. And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, this is amazing, amazing, right? You're talking to an animal here. And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made a mockery of me. If there had even been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you by now. The donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which I have ridden all your life to this day? Have I ever been accustomed to do so to you? And he said, no. Lord, this morning as we spend our time in your word, 
which is very clear, which you've spoken to us, which you've handed down to us so that we would know what you want us to know when we need to know it. We pray that listen that we would listen today. We would know, even as we saw in the little simple video, that you are speaking, maybe not like Doug experienced and those kind of things that that video showed, but you are speaking, and Lord, the issue is, are we listening? And we pray today that we would learn how to do that and do it well for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we come to this passage, what I want to do is I want to pull like three, just three points, three key lessons I think that will be helpful to us here when we think about God speaking to us and us learning to listen to him. So first of all, what I'd like to do is just to remind you that whenever God is speaking, it's the first fill-in for your notes there, when God speaks to us, he's always speaking to us about obedience. It's always about obedience. And that, what that means is, is that really you might think, well, in this unexpected situation, maybe it's my marriage that I'm struggling through and all that I'm going through. Maybe it's some temptation that I have as a college student or a high school student. Maybe it's some fear that I have. Whatever your struggle is, whatever's coming, it's unexpected and you wished it wasn't there. In the end, what God is intending to do is to drive home this thing called obedience. Obedience. Now, you may say, well, that's just because he wants to show me he's God and you've got to do what I said. And in one sense, that is true. But in a more important sense, what we're going to learn is that obedience is like a highway. Obedience is like a path that something travels on. If you want God's grace, if you want God's mercy, if you want God's purposes and his wisdom, if you want him to be leading you, he does that through obedience. Now, think about that for just a moment. Everything that God has ever told us is tied and linked to the blessing comes on the side of that obedience. You can even see that in the healings that took place in the scriptures. When Jesus would go up to someone who had a withered hand, what would he say to that person? He he would say, stretch forth your hand. And you go, how could he do that? His hand is withered. The point is, is that that command to do something, to obey him, that's where the power would come. That's where the grace would come. That would be the help. Whenever he told the guy, take up your bed and walk, the guy's been in his bed all his life. I can't get out of a bed and walk. But with that command comes the power and the ability to do it. So obedience serves like a pathway in which we really find God's grace, his mercy, his power, his blessings coming to us. So if you neglect obedience and you don't begin to look at obedience as a key thing to how God is going to work in your life, you'll miss what God is doing in those unexpected times and in those unexpected situations. And so when God speaks here to Balaam, it could not be any clearer, could it, right? He said, do not go with them. Simple as that. I mean, that's just so clear. And you might be saying, well, I wished I lived back then where I could just like go up and say, hey, God, should I go? And I hear Do not go with them. That'd be great. But I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. What you have in your hand, what you hold in your hand, what you open up every day in your life, this is more solid, more profound than any experience or any voice you might ever hear. 
This is the word of the living God. Let me tell you something. I am so committed to this being where God speaks to me. I could tell you this. If today I told you, back in the back, Jesus is in the flesh. I mean, the God himself in flesh is going to walk in this door. And you can ask him any question you want to ask him and get any direction you want from him. He's going to answer your question. And if you said something like this, Lord, could you tell me how to make my marriage work? He would say, yes. It's Ephesians chapter 5. If I said, Lord, how can I actually know that really you're controlling me? He would say, it's back there in Ephesians 4. Be, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. And on and on, all your questions, he would keep directing you back to this book. And here's why. God is never going to, Jesus is never going to say any more or any less than this word has said because he's given us everything, everything we need for life and godliness in this book. And he is not stuttered. It is so clear to us. In fact, that's quite the problem, isn't it? That it's so obvious and so clear. It's just obvious and it was clear to Balaam. Balaam, what I don't want you to do is go with him. Now listen, I'll just make it real to us today. In your marriage, in my marriage, in all marriages, listen, marriage is filled with its challenges, right? Men, I'll just tell you something as men. You know why pornography is so tempting to a man? Because pornography gives you a woman without any problems. A woman that just says she loves you, the woman will do anything. She doesn't struggle with depression. She doesn't struggle with anger. She doesn't have any bad days. She doesn't have hormones going all over the place. She's just a perfect woman. And in one sense, men are deceived to think that, oh, that's the way it should be. That's not the way it should be. The way it should be is that you have struggles in marriage, both husbands and wives. And whenever we have those, and God wants us to understand what it is we are to do, he just keeps saying, be faithful. Be faithful to that marriage. Whenever it looks like something's greener on the other side, he's just saying, don't listen to the temptation. Flee that. God's very clear to us. He speaks so clear to us. It's just almost like something that we miss. And listen, I don't want you to think when I say that God speaks to us clearly in his word that there are not some things that are hard to understand, right? Because Peter even talks about Paul's words, and he says some of the things that Paul has written are hard to understand. But it's important to note he didn't say everything Paul has written, everything in the Bible is hard to understand. What he said is some of those things. And we agree, there are things we just scratch our head about. So we don't always see it as clear as we should. I get that. But if God's word wasn't intended to be clear and obvious to us so we could know it and do it and obey it and experience what he has for us, then, listen, it would be like God putting us on a celestial Easter egg hunt, right? It'd be like us saying, hey, God, am I supposed to do this? Nope, cold, cold. Okay, how about this? You're warm. Getting warmer. Nope, now you're cold. Listen, if God's word's going to guide us, if God is going to speak to us in this book, if God is going to sanctify us through this book, then it wouldn't be a book that would be hard to understand. It would be very clear for us. And it's very clear what God is saying to Balaam here and speaking to him. Let me, let me just go down another little trail for just a minute. Maybe drive this home this way. Have you ever read in your Bible Deuteronomy 29, 29? It goes like this. The things that are revealed to us and our children belong to us so that we can do all the words of his law. Now what that's saying is this. God in his word has revealed things to us. He's told us. He's shared his heart. He shared truths with us. He did that so that we can do them, so that we can obey them, apply them. But did you know that the verse goes on and says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, but the secret things 
belong to the Lord our God. What that tells me is there are some things God does reveal, and I know what he's revealed in his word, but there are some things about God that no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to figure out because they are his secret things. If you want the big fancy theological word for it, it's called the decreed will of God, the sovereign purposes of God. And here's the truth, brothers and sisters. We spend most of our lives asking all of these why, why, why questions, which are mostly in those sovereign secret things that God is doing and I'm never going to figure out. We spend a lot of time trying to answer the how come and the why. When God is saying, why don't you leave that with me? That belongs to me. What I want you to do is focus on what I have revealed in my word to you. Why don't you focus on doing this? And that's all that's going on with, with Balaam at this moment right now. He has spoken to God. Spoke, he, about this, God said, this is what I'm saying. So I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when I come to the word, I come with a similar heart. I hope you do too. Say, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to trust you with all this big stuff that doesn't make any sense to me. These people, these circumstances, that's okay. Show me the path of obedience. What does your word tell me? What do I need to do? How do I need to trust you and obey you? Just show me that so that I can experience whatever you have on the other side of this. Okay? So let me tell you how I do that. It's a simple little acronym. It's the letters H-E-A-R. How do I hear from God? How do I hear what God's Word is saying and speaking to me? And this is something I've used in my life a lot, and hopefully it'll be a good little tool for you. So when I open the Bible, and my heart's crying out, Lord, speak to me, I want you to tell me, I want you to guide me through your Word, the first thing I do is I highlight the passage God is speaking to me about. Here's an example of a passage that I just was thinking and meditating on in 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And, if, and we know that he hears whatever we ask, and we know that we have what we have asked of him. So I've highlighted that passage there. I've got my mind on it. I'm saying, God, speak to me. Show me. Guide me through this. Right? And then the letter E is, I want to try to... Ex- explain it. In other words, I want to explain what the passage is saying, because it's one thing to think that's what God said, and you misunderstand that, kind of like can of biscuits and cannabis, right? Two separate things. But you can read a verse and not really get it right, right? I mean, people have told me a thousand times, man, you should read this book. It's got all of these passages in the Bible, and it's full of the Scripture. And I go, well, that's really good. What are they saying about the Scripture? Are they explaining it right? I mean, listen, we don't want to trifle with the words of the living God. We want to get it right. And again, I don't think he made it to where it could be so complicated that we'd be scratching our head all our life going, I don't know what God wants me to do. So I highlight it, and then I explain it. Now, you have to be very careful. I chose that verse for this reason, because you can take that verse and make it a name it, claim it kind of word from God, which is not what that is at all. The key in that verse is if you ask anything according to his will. He hears it. And the more I align myself with this word, the more I pursue and live on that highway of saying, I want to obey your word. I want to apply apply your word. I want to live it out. The more I find myself being conformed to his will and, and, and wanting what he wants, right? So that's what it means when I'm explaining it to myself. I'm making sure I'm hearing what God is saying. You see, it's another way of saying that verse is when David said, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Uh, listen, that doesn't mean, okay, Lord, I love you, BMW. Lord, I love you, brand new house, right? That's not the desire of your heart. That's not what it means. When he says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, it means you're saying, I want you, Lord. I want to love you. I want to follow you. I want to please you. I want to live on that highway called obedience to your word. And when I'm doing that, he's putting the want-tos in my heart. Oh, I want to go see that person. I think that's a good thing to go do. Oh, I want to help that person. That's a good thing to do. All of the word keeps putting desires in me and driving me. So I highlight it. I explain it. And then letter A, I apply it. I ask myself, how would this apply to my life, right? How would this apply? I mean, if God says, if you ask anything according to my will, I hear you. And we know that if he hears us, we have what we ask. How do I apply that to my life? Well, I start telling myself, Kevin, be honest. There's a bunch of stuff you want that really isn't God's will, (laughs) right? There's a lot of things that you have desires for that come and go that really can't be said to be formed by God and his word. So what I need to do and I apply it is I need to focus on aligning myself with God's will. Wanting that, saying that to him, praying that, crying out to him, asking him, show me how to apply this to my life. And then when I do letter R, it's respond. It's respond. Respond to what God is saying. And what I mean by that is it's one thing to highlight it to make sure you know what God is talking to you about. It's another thing to make sure you know how it applies. It's another thing to say that you, you explained it and you can apply it. But if you don't respond to it, you just gain knowledge. You haven't changed your life. You haven't done anything different than got smarter about something God said. So notice again, when God calls us and speaks to us about something in our life, it's, a, it's, the, it's with the goal of obedience And that little HEAR acronym is really a reminder that, listen, God speaking to us is not the result of passivity, just sitting there waiting. It's actually putting myself in a pathway called His Word that I want to obey. That's how I know that He will speak to me. All right, number two. Let's move on because this is my first time. I don't want to be my last time because I go too long, okay? (laughs) All right, number two. When God speaks and you don't listen to the clear, the obvious then he uses obstacles to turn you back to him. He uses obstacles. One of the things that got Balaam off track here was that the king was sweetening the deal. In other words, I know God said this, but what about that? So he goes back and he says, let me go back and let me see if the Lord has anything else to say. Well, again, I want to remind you, God in his word has never stuttered or stammered. He's spoken, and it's really clear. So he goes back, and he asks, and the Lord says, you can go. You can go. And you're scratching your head. Why would God let him go when he just said, don't go? And in fact, verse 22, it says that God got angry when Balaam got on the donkey and took off with these guys. Why would he do that? Listen very carefully. God will allow us to ignore his voice and choose to go and get and do what we want to do. He will surely do that. He will allow you to say, you know what, uh, I think this will be okay. And, and, and I'm going to do it. He will allow you. It's not right. It's not his will. It's not his word. It's not the thing that he's told you to do. But he's going to let you go do that. It's just like in a relationship where someone is like in a relationship and they go, that, I know that's not right. I mean, God's word's really clear that I'm not to be joined to an unbeliever. But he's so nice. 
He brings me gifts. He, he's the only person who really is kind to me. Maybe God is okay with this. And you start crossing the lines. Well, God knows that we are going to get married. So, I mean, really, what's wrong with our intimacy at this point when God is clearly saying, flee fornication? Well, I know that, I, I, I know I'm afraid to do this. I'm scared to do this. Uh, and I really need to take care of me. I need to protect me. But God is saying, trust me. Obey me. So whenever Balaam goes and talks to God and asks him, what else might you say? He's kind of playing like the host of who wants to be a millionaire. And he's saying to God, is that your final answer? And God just lets him go. Because God's going to let him find out that whenever you won't listen to me initially with the clear word that I've called you to obey, look for the obstacles. Now, we won't read it again because we did read it. But what does Balaam do when those obstacles get in his way? He gets angry. He starts slapping his donkey. He finds a stick and he hits his donkey. And then he says in that passage, if I'd have had a sword, I'd have cut your throat. I'd have killed you. Now listen, brothers and sisters, what that's a clear reminder of is this. You need to see those obstacles as messengers from God. Those people and those circumstances, you're like, I hate that. I don't like you. I'd like to get you out of my life. If I could kill you, I'd, I'd, get you, I'd be done with you. Rather than saying, God, maybe that obstacle is something that you're using to remind me I need to listen to you and what your word has to say. You might note in the text here that it also says that this obstacle going against the wall and, you know, and, and laying down on Balaam, all those obstacles that was happening with the donkey, there's a person behind all that, and it's called the angel of the Lord. Now, it didn't say an angel, but the angel. Now, why is that significant? Because most people think that Jesus first showed up and appeared just in Bethlehem. And he did appear in human flesh, God in flesh, God incarnate came to be the Savior of the world. But before Bethlehem, Jesus shows up in what are called these Christophanies, these pre-existent appearances of Christ to do the work that God's given him to do. And so in this passage here, what he's saying to us is, listen, those obstacles, the one that's really behind all that is Jesus. You need to see that what was going on, Balaam, really isn't this donkey that you're mad at, this person that you're mad at, that situation that you hate, that situation that you don't think is fair. You need to learn to look at it and say, okay, God, these must be messengers that you're using, tools that you're using, obstacles that you're using in my life to get my attention. So what happens if we don't listen to the clear word, we ignore that, we talk ourselves into some lie here, and then we start not paying attention to the obstacles that comes to our way. Listen very carefully. Third point in the passage is that God uses opposition. God now opposes. You say, that sounds serious. That doesn't sound like a sweet Jesus to me, right? (laughs) That sounds like horrible. Listen, he loves you so much, and he loves us so much, that if you are bent on going down this path away from him, he will do everything to pull you back to him. 
And listen, as Peter put it, God resists the proud. If that's what you are, Balaam, if you're a proud man wanting your greed, wanting to be what you want, do what you want, you're for God, you're not for God, you're in, you're out. If you want to do that, listen, that's called pride, and God resists the proud. He gives grace to the, what is it, church? Humble. Right? The humble. So let's quickly wrap it up here. Look at your notes there, and you'll see three ways that you know Balaam was humbled. Or Balaam was responding to the Lord and listening to his oppositions. First of all, you are humble. Verse 31. It says that when Balaam saw the angel of the Lord, the Lord opened his eyes. That was a great day when God turned the light on. He goes, oh, this is, this is the Lord. This is the Lord now. This is not the donkey. This is not that person. It's not that circumstance. This is the Lord. Then Balaam, when he had his eyes open, saw the angel of the Lord and he bowed all the way to the ground. That's called worship. That's called humility. It's called humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. And another way we know this is not just a normal angel here is because the angel lets him keep worshiping. In the book of Revelation, when John falls down to worship an angel, the angel says, don't do that. Stand up. Worship God. This is God. This is God who has been opposing him. God's the one that's making this difficult for him. And if you know that and you see that and your eyes are open today, humility, humbling yourself. Number two, you own your sin. Verse 34, Balaam said, I have sinned. I have sinned. It's not that person's fault, though they are responsible for any and everything they said or did, and God will hold them responsible for their responsibilities. But my sin is not their responsibility. It's mine. I have sinned. I didn't listen to you, Lord. I crossed that line. I did something I knew I shouldn't have done. I disobeyed you, Lord. I am humbled before you. You got my attention. I'm telling you, it's me, Lord. I have sinned. You own your sin. And then third, you repent and you continue to do what God spoke to you about. See, now that you're back to that clear thing that God said, you go do what he said. You go do it and you, and you continue to do it. And here's why that's important, because Balaam's story in the New Testament is a story of a man who didn't continue. He's a fence straddler. He's for God and not for God. He does, he doesn't. He's a man who is called a false prophet. He is a man who actually is full of greed. And he looks, and he's doing the right thing, and I get it at this moment, but he doesn't stay consistent. He doesn't stay on that pathway of obedience. He doesn't follow what God tells him to do. And so what you and I want to do is you want to do just this, which is our key thought. Learn to listen to him. Listen to God. Listen to God when he uses those unexpected means to get your attention. I mean, he's, it's very clear. You've heard it. But if you don't listen to it, then you need to really pay attention. Listen to what God is doing and how he's using people and circumstances to turn you back to him because he loves you and he knows that where you're going is not going to lead to life. It's something that's going to lead to destruction. It's not going to be a good path. Balaam's life ends horribly, and he dies a bitter death because he's a man who doesn't listen to God. So listen to God in those unexpected seasons and times of your life. Let's stand together. We're going we're gonna to do something here now. In this message today, as we walk through this passage, I basically did just what I told you we need to do to hear from God. 
we highlighted those truths that God was speaking to us about in the passage. We explained what they meant. And I told you several different ways that it can be applied in our lives. But listen, I know that there is a person called the Holy Spirit who knows much broader how you need to apply it to your life. But here's the deal. That last letter, R, is in your court. Only you can respond. I can't make you respond. Your spouse can't make you respond. Your kids can't make you respond. Nobody can make you respond. That's your choice. To read and see clearly, this is what God's Word says to me, and I hadn't done it. It's very clear today. I need to respond in humility to own my sin and get back on that path to Him. It's kind of like the story of the man who literally was in a desert, thirsting to death, and he saw in the desert a shack a little ways. And he went to the shack, and there was a a water pump. And there was a note attached to the water pump with a little jug of water. It said, Pour the water in the pump so that you can have water. And then he thought to himself, but if I do that, that's pretty clear. If I do that, then what if it doesn't work and I won't have any water? But what if it does work and it really does provide the water? The challenge was, would you respond and obey and do just what the note said? So he took the water, little water jug, he poured it into the pump, And he cranked the handle, and nothing at first came out. But he kept following and doing what it said, and then water began to gush out of the pump. He had so much water, he filled up all of his canteens, drank all the water he wanted, bathed himself. And then he noticed that the note he had just read, there was a little subscription at the end that said, then when you're done, write a note to the next traveler. And here's what he wrote. Pour the water in the pump. It really works. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, wherever you are today, whatever it is that you know you need to obey God in and listen to Him in, this is a chance for you to come and just pray. There's going to be people here who will pray with you. We want you just to respond to God, not to me, not to any person, but to God Himself. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for its clarity. Thank you, God, that we all know in this room where and how you've spoken to us. But the question is, will we listen? Will we obey? We pray that will take place right now as we sing and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.